Hello and welcome to this week's Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Tash. I'm Becky. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even mean to do that. I'm Becky. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm really buff. (laughs) Buff Becks. Buff Becks. Buff Becks. I honestly didn't even, I don't even know where that came from. Uh, and I am Emma. Becky, are you okay? Do we need a priest? <laughs> Can't believe that It was so weird. I felt like I was really running out of breath as well and was worried that I sounded weird. And then to be honest, even if I did, you've like you've saved it. it. So yeah. thanks. Oh, well done. Um, you're welcome. Oh, well done. <laughs> well done. <laughs> oh, God. And my oh. two people now in my head. It's Becky and Buff Becky. Your <laughs> <laughs> alter ego. Oh. Anyway. Hi, guys. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Hi, everyone. <laughs> How are you all? Oh, I'm amazing. Tash? Yeah, Yeah, I'm fine as well. Oh, good. I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> yeah, well, we can go in circles. I'm fine. Becky, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Yeah. How was your meal? Enjoy your meal? <laughs> yes, I did. It was Domino's. It was very nice. Nice. Oh, have you ever done that where someone bring you're in a restaurant, someone brings you food, and they say, enjoy your, your meal, and you're like, thank you, you too. You too. <laughs> of course. Yeah. When I oh. worked in um, McDonald's, people used to do that all the time. It was so funny. Do you serving people find it funny because you've done it yourself, or you just think, hey, yeah, like, what What's yeah. funny is how awkward people are when they do it. Well, yeah, because they don't know where to put themselves. Well, it's like calling your teacher mum or yeah. um, when you're or on the phone. saying I love you on the phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if, mate. Not, if you're on the phone to like the bank manager and you go, okay, bye, I love you. Then you're like, oh, I do it all the time to kill customers me. on the phone. Kill me now. Or like if I leave like a really rambled voicemail to a customer oh. and I get so embarrassed and I did it once and I left such a gobbledygooped one, <laughs> I then emailed them to apologise for the voicemail that I left them and I think I just... That makes it worse. I'm not I sure. I know. I don't know why I did it, but obviously you can't retract an email, can you? And I was so embarrassed. So... Yeah, that was embarrassing. Yeah, we've all been there, babes. We've all done it. I'm sure I've said, okay, bye, love you to some random person like my insurer or something. Yeah. Well, I work in insurance and I had a customer email me because we do health insurance as well. And he said, instead of, oh, I'm going to pick my mum up from the hospital or I'm going to pick my mum up, he put, oh, I'm going to fuck my mum up. Oh, shit. I was like... (laughs) I was like, don't. She's already just had an operation. Don't do that. How do you do that? I think a lot of it is um, when people email from their phones. Yeah. But even so, normally it's it doesn't correct it that way. It'll put duck your mum up, if anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fucking duck. I never. It's never duck. I never mean duck. <laughs> I don't talk about ducks. No, but... What makes me laugh about when it says duck or ducked is that people automatically think of quack quack, but I don't think they mean that. I think they mean like duck down. The phone thinks you want to duck down. Ah. Oh. 
But even then, I don't want to duck. <laughs> yeah, I'm not randomly ducking down. Yeah. You just want to fuck, don't you? <laughs> Speaking of, any Tinder with Tash? I have got a what Tinder What a with segue. Tash. Shall I put on the jingle? Let's listen yeah. to it. Sit down, you boys and girls, and everyone in between. Story Tash. Tash has stories for you, both funny and obscene. Ooh. Did she swipe right, swipe left, or find out he had a rash? Ew. We're about to find out, because it's Tinder with Tash. Thanks, JT, as always, for that great, great jingle. Woo. So, the other day, swiping along, I was, uh, it was, it was a swiping broad along. swipe. It wasn't like an intent. Swiping along, swiping along, on the bottom <laughs> of the beautiful briny sea. Tinder. <laughs> I don't know that song, but thank you. Bedknobs um, and broomsticks. broomsticks. Oh, okay, well, there you Classic. Go. I mean, great film, just don't know the song. Sorry about that. So... I'm swiping and then I match with a guy that I knowingly had matched with several times before. I didn't know that that was possible, is it? Yeah, because if they or if one of you delete your profile and then make a new profile, obviously you can just match again. And Tash does uh, that because she gets banned a lot. I, I haven't actually done that in such a long time. So it's obviously them doing it. But yes, I have obviously I've done it previously. Um, and I haven't been banned for two years. Thank you. Because that yeah. popped up on my how timeline. How did you get banned from Tinder? We know how I got banned from Tinder, don't we? <laughs> I've surely have discussed that on yes, here, Yes, we I? know. Neither of us can remember, but we know. You can't yeah. remember? No, I can't remember. And I'm not even sure. Did we? Did we? Yeah, yeah, we definitely did. She said something filthy to some guy so and she got banned. So disgusting and he must have been really offended. Um, Wasn't it about fucking him in the arse or something? No, no, no. I said to this guy, um, he did the whole, oh, what are you here for? And I said, I'm here to marry, uh, find a husband or for you to come on my face and never talk to me ever again. And the next oh. morning I was banned. <laughs> <laughs> that's a ticket it was just honesty that's what tinder's all about you know i said that and then the next morning i was banned so i can only assume that that was what got me banned but i he was shocked he was shocked and i think a bit of a pussy like man up (laughs) (laughs) come on my face (laughs) jesus (laughs) hi tasha's mom Ever wonder where that good skin came yeah. from? Wow. Oh, there you go. Why does she always look so glowy? Well, anyway, um, so <laughs> I've matched with this guy. We start chatting. I definitely know that I've matched with him. Don't remember previous conversations. We're both acting like we haven't matched before. Again, we move over to regular text and it uh, turns out I've got his number saved in my phone. Oh, well, there you go. That's a dead giveaway. What was he saved under? Oh, whatever his name is from Tinder. All right. I literally just put their name and, like, what a dating app I've seen them on. Have I met him before? Couldn't tell you. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, neither of us spoke about the fact that we've clearly matched and spoken before. And then, yeah, it just kind of fizzled out. So... <laughs> I'm assuming that's what happened last time as well. But 
it does happen a lot, like matching with the same people. And then you get the whole, oh, hi, stranger, you're still here, are you? And you're like, yeah, still here, hun. Like, so yeah, pretty boring Tinder with Tash, but that is the Tinder with Tash this week. Why did neither of you go, oh, we've spoken before. Isn't that more awkward? Um, like pretending not to. Well, I just don't really know what, I just didn't say anything. And then uh, maybe he cle- maybe he really doesn't remember speaking to me before, but I couldn't. Well, you don't want to fess up in case you asked him to come on your face, right? And he'd been disgusted and so yeah. you were just keeping a low profile. Yeah, exactly. I see. I feel like nothing he said to me drogged my memory. So it must have been really dry, the conversation before. Boring. Yeah. Yawn. That or I just speak to so many people I just can't remember anymore. Yeah. Mm. Maybe both. He doesn't, Maybe. if it's already fizzled out, he obviously isn't great. No, exactly. I do remember at one point, like in my early dating career, when I was a lot more datey than I am now, I'm quite, this kind of a bit of a, a lull at the moment. I'm just, you know, working on myself. But I used to literally scroll through messages and I would star messages so that I could look at specific messages so then I could refer back to them when talking to them because I would be talking to like multiple people at the same time and get so confused at who I was talking to how bad's that a hussy such a slag yeah so you wouldn't be like oh how was bungee jumping that you said that you're gonna do and they'd be like oh I am an I am an accountant I don't do that yeah scared of heights mate Mm. yeah told you that last week just love paperwork so much yeah can't take me away from the desk but then equally like i would refer to something that i've said it would be the wrong guy and i'd be like yeah i told you and they'd be like "Mm, no you didn't we've been speaking for two days not two weeks i know nothing about your holiday (laughs) and i'd be like oh sorry wrong guy that's awkward now bye yeah (laughs) okay bye love you oh shit <laughs> yeah. <Mom>. oh. <laughs> I mean, I actually talking of that. I definitely have been having coffee, wink, wink, nudge, nudge with somebody new, and I have said I love you whilst doing doing the doing the sex, Do, doing the coffee, <gasps> darling, the coffee, not the sex. Doing the sex, <laughs> you're doing the sex, yes. yeah. <laughs> That's on par with saying the wrong name. I think I love you's worse. I think yeah. wrong name is embarrassing. High five <laughs> is different, but it's not embarrassing. Saying I love you is embarrassing. I love you, yeah, is embarrassing. I think I love you is more embarrassing than saying the wrong name. Yeah, I agree. I think it is. Why didn't you just say, oh, I love your massive sperm? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it, was just, it was obviously... It was obviously loving love making, and I was like, yeah. oh, you know, like in the moment, you're like, oh, I love you. Oh, oh cringe. And did he <laughs> Are you say, dying inside? Oh, like, thanks. <laughs> I think we just both <laughs> pretended it didn't happen. Yeah, that's the worst, the awkward silence. Yeah. Oh, have you farted when, when having coffee? Have I farted when having coffee? I mean, probably. Like, like but audibly, not... like, like a real boop. <laughs> are we talking fart or queef i'm talking fart an actual uh, fart i've never I'd, farted i mean probably not a proper like 
one, but probably. <laughs> that was like a bass. <laughs> I mean, probably like a silent one. Like a. Sometimes, them positions, it's not your fault. Yeah. You're asking for gas. Like, come on. And also, it depends on, like, what the pre-date meal was. If it was, like, something light, you know, fair enough. But if you went risky and had a curry. No, I've never done it with, like, a date. Definitely not, because my bowels go shy. Like, oh, I can imagine your bowels going, stop it, I'm shy. (laughs) (laughs) probably like with my ex-husband yeah because i was with him for a long time so you just don't really care do you but i certainly wouldn't have done that with somebody that i didn't know very well yeah the fact that becky's asking makes me think she farts (laughs) having sex i'm trying to think i obviously must have done it at some point but nothing is coming up nothing nothing uh memorable anyway but i think when you're in a committed long-term relationship it just goes into the everyday it doesn't matter as much and you're not as embarrassed about things like that if i hooked up with someone tomorrow and farted whilst riding them like <laughs> that would be so embarrassing wouldn't it it would be like mortifying but if it was my husband of 15 years like i would probably wouldn't care as much yeah yeah oh god anyway should we move away from the sexy farts sexy, <laughs> sexy also this is probably somebody's jam so maybe it's a niche i need to tap into oh the, yeah there are the people that love it yeah love, uh, love watching farts and stuff yeah fart in watching my mouth them. <laughs> what are you doing put some powder up there so you can see it come out oh. well yeah people do <laughs> people do and uh do you guys i don't i mean i'm terrible because i play loads of stupid little games on my ipad but do you guys get the advertisements for the weird games on facebook yes and it's always like a smelly underarms or someone farting in someone's face and it's like oh make me beautiful she's like dripping in mud those things yes yes and and a those games are awful like make me beautiful like just stop but one of them was literally her husband smelling another girl's fart. Oh, God. <laughs> and she was like, oh, my God, he's cheating on me. Yeah. There was another one where he was smelling someone's feet. Yeah. Oh, God. Anyway. anyway. Oh, song. We haven't done the horror song. Oh. So it was your song, or should I say Sebastian's song from last week, Tash? Yeah. What was it? It was Mika and it was relax, take, take it, it easy. easy. I go. Relax. <laughs> That's exactly how I was singing. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy listening to that back so much. <laughs> I'm gonna listen to it low. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it with the Australian shark. <laughs> right, gigglers. I don't know, I'm not ready. 
Oh God! Sorry, folks. You might as well have a go for a fag. Go, go get your coffee. <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> Seriously, go walk the dog. We'll still be here. We'll still be here. You're not going to miss anything. Sorry for that. Funny. <laughs> I can't stop. <laughs> oh, my head hurts now. I don't even know what he sings. I don't even know. I heard with the. Right, okay, I think it's. I think it's. Oh, I think it's gone. <clears throat> Subsided. Right, people, listen again now. Okay, I got one answer. Just one answer for that song. Did you guys get any? Nope. No. It was a really hard one. It was hard. Yeah. <laughs> it was hard. Um, <laughs> That's what she Ooh, said. Oh, why am I giggling now? Fuck's sake. Because you just made yourself laugh. <laughs> I did. I did. That's <laughs> pathetic. I, I always laugh at my own jokes. I'm hilarious. <laughs> Ruth. Ruth. Oh, well done, Well done, Ruth. Ruth. Well done, Ruth. See, Ruth has microphones and she's listening. She's got satellites. You reckon? Yeah. You. We also got, Nicole got the right answer as well. Oh, go on, Nicole. It's just popped up on my phone. So, well done, Nicole. Bravo. Right. 23 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> but 17 minutes of that was laughing. Yeah. Yeah. I know. People have done all sorts had a shag and everything while you two were giggling (laughs) (laughs) right becky Mm. scare me okay scare me becky scare Scare me me. (laughs) hang on no i mean scare me becky (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if buff becky's gonna come out for this story so my story is another oldie it starts on the 25th of february 1957 And on that day, a student from La Salle College made an unexpected discovery when he stumbled upon a body of a boy in a box. The student was out because he wanted to catch a glimpse of the girls that were enrolled at the Sisters of Good Shepherd School, which is like a, a girls' school for troubled youth. Okay. So he wanted to have a bit of a have a look and whistle at pretty girls but instead his attention was drawn to this uh box concealed in the underbrush and at first glance he thought it was a mannequin or a doll he just continued on his way and it wasn't till two days later that he heard about a missing girl from new jersey that he returned to the scene and discovered that it actually was a lifeless body of a little boy so he went and, and notified the police Upon arrival, law enforcement officers found the remains of a young boy estimated to be between the ages of four and six. That's fucking horrific. Inside a J.C. Penny box, which was originally meant for a bassinet. Yeah. The child was unclothed and wrapped in a flannel blanket. Investigation revealed signs of malnourishment and physical abuse. Oh, bless his cotton socks. Yeah, so... Upon autopsy later on, they found that he was actually beaten to death. Fucking hell. I know. 
This marked the beginning of a race to uncover the identity of the boy. The local papers named him the boy in the box. That is also pretty horrendous. Yeah. The investigators initiated their efforts by closely examining the boy himself. An inspection of his body revealed a recent and unskilled haircut with clumps of hair still clinging. It looks like someone had just gone at him with some scissors. Like a little girl and a Barbie doll. That kind of haircut. Yeah, yeah. that kind of hairstyle, yeah. So leading to some to speculate that his killer had possibly attempted to conceal his identity. Furthermore, the investigators discovered surgical scars on the boy's ankle, foot and groin, indicating previous medical procedures. Additionally, his feet and right hand were kind of wrinkled and pruning, suggesting that he might have been exposed to water at some point. You know, like when you're in the bath for too long, that's what his hands were looking at. Yeah. So the case obviously attracted a considerable amount of attention from the media, but no one was coming forward. How can a child, four to six years old, go missing and no one report them missing? Why isn't anyone coming forward? Well, so now did the parents do it? We'll see. So the the Philadelphia Inquirer printed 400,000 flyers showing the boy's likeness. So what they'd done is they'd posed him in like an upright position and cleaned him up so that they could show a picture of him to try and get him identified because they didn't have any other way of doing it. Well, no, no. And now, you know, they can do a um, facial reconstruction and kind of make it look like what they could have looked like when they were alive, whereas back then they didn't. So what they did was they printed out all those flyers and also a copy was put on every single gas bill in Philadelphia. So you had your gas bill and it was on there. They were trying everything to get everyone notified of this uh, missing boy. So when that came up with nothing, the crime scene was combed over again and again by up to 270 police academy recruits, and they discovered a man's blue cap, a child's scarf, a man's white handkerchief with the letter G on it in the corner. But all of these clues led nowhere, and also there's no guarantee that's got anything to do with the, with the body they found. Despite all of this the little boy's identity remained unknown. Over the years, some leads seemed better than others. So here are the theories about the boy in the box. All of the leads that the investigators pursued while trying to identify the boy in the box, these two seemed the the most promising. The first came in 1960, when an employee of the medical examiner's office named Remington Bristow spoke to a psychic the psychic led Bristow to a local foster home. While attending the estate sale at the foster home, Bristow noticed a bassinet that looked like the one sold at J.C. Penney and blankets that resembled the ones that wrapped around the dead boy. He theorised that the boy had been the child of the owner's stepdaughter and unwed mother. Though police pursued the lead, they eventually found that it was just a dead end. The psychic had got the wrong idea. The boy was originally buried in a potter's field. So I don't really know what that is. I think it's where they bury people that they don't know who they are. Yeah. And in 1998, he was reburied at Ivy Hill Cemetery in Cedarbrook, Philadelphia. So the cemetery donated 
a large plot. The coffin, headstone and funeral service were donated by the son of the man who had buried the boy in 1957, so the first time, the family that buried him the first time. There was significant public attendance and media coverage at the reburial. City residents keep the grave decorated with flowers and toys and a large headstone which contains the words America's Unknown Child with a plaque underneath reading Heavenly Father, Bless This Unknown Boy. This is so sad. It's so sad, so isn't, awful, it? isn't it? 40 years later, in 2002, an individual known as M came forward to investigators with a revelation about the boy who had been discovered. According to Philadelphia police, M disclosed that her abusive mother had bought the boy from another family in 1954. The boy was known as Jonathan and had endured physical and sexual abuse at the hands of her mother. In a disturbing incident, M recounted that her mother had fatally assaulted him in a fit of rage after he vomited baked beans one night. Her claim seemed credible because during the autopsy, they did actually find baked beans in the boy's stomach. Furthermore, M mentioned that her mother had attempted to wash the boy after the beating, potentially explaining the pruny hands and feet. Despite these compelling details, the police were unable to corroborate her claim. Another theory was brought forward by forensic artist Frank Bender. He developed a theory that the victim may have been raised as a girl previously, which explains the child's unprofessional haircut, which appeared to have been performed in haste and was the basis for the scenario, as well as the appearance of the eyebrows that seemed to have been styled. And in 2008, he released a sketch of the unidentified child with long hair reflecting the strands found around the body okay to see if that might you know bring it forward or anything sadly the decades passed and the boy in the box remained unidentified i don't know if have you guys heard of this one before no i heard about it well quite a few years ago and it's been like this big mystery ever since but all that would change on the 8th of december 2022 when investigators in Philadelphia announced that they could finally give him a name. His name was Joseph Augustus Zarelli. This was announced by Philadelphia Police Department Commissioner Danielle Outlaw. They did a press conference where they announced a breakthrough in the case, and she said, This child's story was always remembered by the community. His story has never been forgotten. So as she explained how they got to identifying Joseph, it was all thanks to genetic genealogy. So basically, you know these sites where you send your DNA in to say, hey, am I part Italian? Am I part this? Yeah, part yeah, yeah. Ancestry.com yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So his DNA was uploaded to a genetic database which led detectives to relatives on his mother's side. And after pouring through birth records, they were also able to identify his father. They also learned that Zarelli's mother had three other children. The investigators found that Joseph Zarelli was born on the 13th of January, 1953, which meant he was four years old when his body was found. Oh, bless him. Poor little baby. Yeah. Aside from that, they haven't given too much detail yet. They said that they still have numerous questions about Joseph, 
For now, the police are not releasing any details about Joseph's parents out of respect for his living siblings. They also refuse to speculate on who killed Joseph, though they noted that they have their suspicions. This is still an active homicide investigation. Police still need the public's help in filling in this child's story so that they're, um, I think they will gradually release more detail as we go. This was only just the end of last year, so it wasn't that long ago that they found this out. That's incredible that it's still ongoing. Yeah, that they've kept at it. I'm glad they did. But little Joseph would have been 70 now. Oh, bless him. Little love. I'm glad they've finally given him a name. It kind of gives a little bit of closure. Yeah. I don't know, when people don't have a name or anything, it almost sounds like they're a bit stuck until someone gives the, gives them the na- their name back. They deserve that, don't they? Their life Absolutely. is taken so prematurely and yeah. completely unnecessarily. They deserve at least a name. Yeah. As it's still ongoing, that, that concludes my story for this week. I'll update as we get updates on, on this one. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But there we are. That's the story of... Little Joseph, the boy in the box. Thanks, Becky. Thanks, Bex. That was so sad. <laughs> I cannot deal with people being cruel to kids. Or I mean, I can't. I don't like people being cruel to anybody. But kids and animals, it just yeah, agreed. Can't deal yeah. with it. You'd rather the severed penis of last week. Give us a chopped dick any day, to be honest. Yeah, it's a lot less sad. I mean, it's sad for him. They can't defend themselves. I think that's what gets me. And they don't understand. A four-year-old? No, he wouldn't have understood what the hell was going on. How can you beat a four-year-old to death? Oh, because you're a fucking monster. He was just skinny, 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 skinny. You know, I know know four-year-olds are kind of growing out of the chubby, being a chubby toddler, but they're still a little bit chubs, aren't they, when they're four? Yeah. But no, super skinny neglect isn't it very very underweight very neglected yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's almost as if he was like the the shunned child and well i was gonna say i have my suspicions about the parents but it's not fair to say that because there's no proof or anything but yeah but why wouldn't they report their child missing well exactly he should have been reported missing if he'd been abducted because obviously if he was that skinny he'd been neglected for some time so he'd been missing Mm. for some time yeah so yeah was he just the least favorite child or there's all sorts of possibilities isn't there but yeah we're not police so no i'm sure they'll get to the bottom of it yeah right well to perk us up a bit shall i stick a trailer on Yes. Put a trader on. Here you go. Thanks. Brew Crime in association with Reverie True Crime present The Brewery Report. Your daily news delivered to you monthly. Join Mike, Paige, and JT as they cover the stories you won't hear on the major news channels. Why, you ask? Well, because... They're just that stupid. Covering animals, crimes, travel, celebrity, politics, and more. We do the research so you don't have to. I wish they would have included a disclaimer not to drink anything, because I almost spit out my chai tea latte with four pumps of vanilla. (laughs) We know, we know. We're working on it. 
You can find us anywhere you listen to Brew Crime or Reverie True Crime. So make sure you behave or fuck around and find out. And you might find yourself on next month's Brewery Report. Thanks for that lovely trailer. Yeah. I forgot at the beginning of the episode to just do a few shout outs. We had another podcaster who is also called Emma. And she's a Ooh. podcaster from the podcast Me, You and a Brew. And she left us a little review on Good Pods. And she said that she's absolutely loving us. So thank Aww, you very thanks, much. Girl. I have already listened and returned the favour and left you a five-star review on Spotify. Um, so thanks very much for that. And also, Rochelle sent me a message earlier. She'd listened to last week's episode... And uh, she said she really, really enjoyed it. And thanks for, you know, keeping making episodes, which was lovely to hear. So thanks, Rochelle. Thanks, Rochelle. Thank you. Right. This week, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I have two stories for you. Ooh. I know. Double story. I have an email that was written by one of our listeners. And then I've got a little mini haunting story to tell you lovely so this is from steph so thank you very much steph and it's called my connection with the other side some people believe that once you are dead and gone then that's it life ceases to exist and they have every right to believe that i believe that everybody has a spirit an entity that leaves this world for a place that the living can't go and i also believe that sometimes these spirits can get trapped in a place between this life and the one that comes after, either because they don't realise they're dead or because they have unfinished business. When I was looking for my forever home in France, I thought I'd found the perfect place, a beautiful home which ticked every wish box and more. As the agent showed us round, I fell more and more in love with the place, and the bonus was it had a huge attic that we could convert. We climbed the truly magnificent wooden staircase to the second floor, and the agent showed us to the staircase leading to the attic. As I touched the banister, a pair of hands grabbed me round the throat and started to choke the very life out of me. That sounds exciting. (laughs) All right, kinky. (laughs) I could feel the anger, pain and evil with every ounce of pressure, but these hands didn't belong to the living. They belonged to a tormented, evil, trapped soul. I fled the house in terror with the agent following close behind. Skipping forward a few years, buying a house in France, a failed marriage and finding a new relationship, I said goodbye to my first house and with renewed excitement decided to build my own house with my new partner. He had the land, the plans and a friend who said we could rent their house just up the road from where we were going to build. It was perfect until we moved in. I always wondered why his friends had left their beautiful home so suddenly, leaving behind all their personal belongings and even their wedding photos. That's a bad sign. (laughs) It wasn't long before I found out. The first night we stayed there, my son woke up at 3am, screaming there was someone in the room. Cupboard doors would be open when I knew they were shut, footsteps when no one was there. The list went on. I knew there was someone in the house, someone trapped with a story that didn't frighten me. It made me feel a profound sense of sadness. 
Eventually, we tried putting my daughter in the bedroom that seemed to terrify my other two children, and the night passed with no 3am scream. When we woke in the morning, my daughter came to me and said that she enjoyed talking to Madame Noir, which means Mrs. Black, and hoped she would visit her again and sit on her bed to talk to her. My daughter shares the same connection with the other side as I do, and like me, felt no fear from the lady that we were living with. After some searching, we discovered that there was a lady who worked for a family who lived in a big manor house in the same village. Her job was a nanny and she loved being with children. Depending on who you talk to, the story goes that the nanny had an affair with one of the family members and died by drowning in the lake on the estate. People that have been murdered or have had their lives cut short in tragic circumstances have more chance of getting stuck in this world between life and the afterlife, unfinished business or hanging on to a loved one. Sometimes all they need is to get a message to someone before they can move on. My best friend's ex-boyfriend died in horrific circumstances after falling from the balcony of his flat. The night he died, I had an overwhelming feeling that something had happened. I get these feelings often and are stronger the closer I am to someone. A year to the day of my friend's ex's death, I started having dreams, well, more like nightmares, of him falling. He would be screaming, getting closer and closer to the ground, and then suddenly he would be swallowed up by a huge tree. Now, the tree looked like an oak tree, but the leaves were like no oak tree that I recognised and it was on a hill with an old stone wall nearby. I didn't want to upset my friend by talking about the dreams, but they kept coming every night. Uh, can you guess at what time? 3am. Oh. 3am, I would wake up in an anxious sweat, wondering what he was trying to tell me. Eventually, I spoke to my friend and explained what I had seen so clearly in my dreams. It almost felt real. My friend cried reached for a book on trees that was sitting on the shelf, turned to a page and asked me if these were the leaves of the tree in my dreams. Before her ex died, he'd talked about what he wanted to happen when they were gone from this world. He wanted his spirit to live on in one of his favourite trees, in one of his favourite places. A Scottish oak sat on a hill with a stone wall nearby. I never had that dream again. I've lived my whole life with a connection to what some find hard to believe, but the afterlife exists. You just need to be open to hear it. Oh, that's a bit spooky-wooky. Really creepy. Really well written as well. Yeah, wasn't it? Well done. So thanks for that, Steph. And uh, yeah, creepy. Well done, we enjoyed that. Having those dreams. Having those nightmares that I'm going to have. Thank you very much. (laughs) Right. And now for my story. Go on. (laughs) I'm waiting. I'm having a drink, darling. I'm having a drink. Tell me now. Tell me. Tell me now. Okay. I'm going to talk to you about the haunting of number 16, Waterdale's North Fleet. In the realm of poltergeist encounters, the focus of paranormal disturbances is typically directed towards an individual, often a child or a teenager. However, an intriguing case emerges, deviating from the norm, where the eerie phenomena seemed fixated on a particular house rather than any specific person. 
Situated in North Fleet, a town approximately 20 miles from London, lies number 16 Waterdales, a modest, semi-detached residence built during the 1930s. For years, it's blended seamlessly into the landscape of council houses, devoid of any peculiarities. The house underwent a sudden and dramatic transformation in 1962, when Mr and Mrs Sidney Maxted, accompanied by their three young children, became its occupants. The initial hints of an unusual occurrence surfaced shortly after the Maxted family settled into their new abode. While the couple occupied the lower level, footsteps could be heard from the front bedroom directly overhead. Initially, they attempted to dismiss the phenomena as mere consequences of the neighbouring residents sharing a wall an everyday occurrence one might expect. Yet, the unease grew as the disturbance escalated, infiltrating the sanctuary of the children's bedroom. They would hear scratching noises beneath their beds at night, along with the unsettling sensation of invisible hands yanking off their covers and giving them sharp slaps. The distress became so harrowing that the children insisted on seeking safety in their parents' room. The Maxteads were unhappy at number 16, but they didn't want to leave due to the affordability and the convenience. However, they changed their minds one fateful night in February 1965. At around 2am, Mrs Maxted arose to tend to her baby. To her astonishment, she caught sight of a small child entering the bedroom. Assuming it to be Linda, their four-year-old, she called out the child's name. Yet, as a figure drew nearer, an abrupt transformation occurred, causing it to grow in size until it loomed ominously as a giant form towering menacingly over Mrs. Maxted. Overwhelmed by terror, Mrs. Maxted's scream pierced the air, causing the apparition to vanish instantaneously. Unwilling to find out what further horrors awaited them, the Maxteds wasted no time. The following morning, they served their notice and abandoned number 16, Waterdales. Can I just say, yes, this is what we do. Yeah, I also want to abandon ship right now. I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) But you see something creepy, you get the fuck out. You leave. Yes. Yeah. So well done, the Maxteads. In due course, the town council assigned the dwelling to another young family, Eric and Margaret Essex, along with their baby. Eric had heard rumours of the Maxted's ordeal, but believed the prospect of a comfortable home outweighed the potential risks of cohabiting with a ghostly presence. But sure enough, the new residents soon encountered disturbances mirroring those of the Maxted's. Once more, the footsteps echoed within the upper bedroom, setting the unsettling tone for their days. (laughs) The family also endured unpleasant and mouldy odours permeating every corner of the house, while a low-pitched hum occasionally resonated throughout the rooms. Much like the Maxteds, the Essex couple initially attempted to ignore these occurrences, yet they too reached a breaking point when confronted with an incident that left no room for denial. One August night in 1966, Eric awoke to the familiar sound of footsteps. This time, however, the source was the hallway and the staircase. Curiosity propelled him to investigate, but his search yielded nothing. 
Upon returning to bed, he found himself besieged by an eerie whistling sound, followed by a violent shaking of the bed itself. As he sat up, Eric was confronted by the spectral figure of a woman, dressed in a long dress and emanating an eerie orange glow. She stood before him, horrifyingly, the woman appeared to be missing her head. That's unfortunate. <laughs> she, need, she needs that. Well, does she? She's a ghost. An unsettling sight that froze Eric in terror. Determined not to endure further torment, the Essex family hastily departed the next morning, swearing never to come near number 16 again. Another sensible family. I like this story. Yes. News of the ongoing horror spread, making it increasingly challenging for the council to find new tenants for number 16 Waterdales. The neighbouring residents themselves attested to particular sounds resonating from the empty house. Margaret Harrison, who lived in the adjoining house, frequently heard heavy footsteps ascending and descending the stairs next door. One fateful night, a resounding boom reverberated through the air like a heavy object being tossed about within the house. The pounding noise then moved to the ceiling of the hallway directly above Margaret's bedroom, accompanied by a grating, scraping sound. It was as if something beneath her was desperately trying to claw and scratch its way into her room. Frightened by this terrifying experience, Margaret promptly left her home. Again, clever lady. Well done. What adds to the enigma of this reported haunting is that its commencement was as inexplicable as its end. A house that had stood for nearly 30 uneventful years suddenly transformed into a site of paranormal terror. And just as mysteriously, after roughly four years, the disturbances ceased. Number 16 Waterdale still stands today, with no further reports of any unusual activity within its walls. According to local law surrounding the haunting at Number 16 Waterdales, the chilling events may find their origins intertwined with a dark chapter from the Second World War. The tale goes that during the tumultuous war years, Tragedy struck the vicinity when a woman met her untimely demise, struck by shrapnel in close proximity to the very spot where the house stood. Furthermore, a young girl innocently riding her bicycle down the street also met a tragic end. These haunting incidents, it is said, hold a spectral connection to the supernatural phenomena that plagued the house on Waterdales. Speculation arose that the restless spirits of the deceased their lives abruptly cut short, found solace in haunting the dwelling that now occupied the site of their untimely deaths. Their unresolved presence was believed to be the source of the mysterious footsteps, the inexplicable sounds and the terrifying apparitions that tormented the occupants of number 16. And there you go. I will not be making a trip there. (laughs) I find that on this podcast, we find a lot of places that we don't want to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But can you imagine that, like, it scared two families out of one house and it actually scared the neighbour out of her house and all. Yeah, don't blame them. Pretty intense. Yes. 
That it was. That it was. So something a little different. Two little stories there for you to sleep tight with. I enjoyed them. Right, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Em. You're more than welcome. Uh-huh. Would you like my horror song? I want it. Give it to me, baby. I think everybody will get this. She wanders woefully singing her song for all eternity damned to tell everyone that he loved her more than the sun itself but had nothing to offer her except this simple song. Oh, how she wished she hadn't rejected, humiliated and mocked him. Her, a fine lady, and him, a mere peasant. A song? She had said. A song? Where is the mansion and the sculptures she thought she deserved? Her disgust pierced his heart like an arrow, and so, in return, he pierced her skull with a rock. Oh, God. Sorry. Sorry. I forgot that it wasn't just sorry. So now her ghost wanders woefully, invisible, forgotten. The only thing keeping her memory alive is the song she must sing forevermore. Her song. And there you go. Thanks, Emma. That was really good. Sorry, I forgot. You were thinking it was still the story, weren't you? When someone's piercing someone's skull with a rock. (laughs) Oh, bless you. Have you got any ideas? Yeah, absolutely. Good. Bex? I'm not quite there yet, but yeah, possible. What? You'll get it. You'll get it. I want lots of answers, people. Lots of answers. There better be lots of answers this week. Yeah. There better be. There There better be. (laughs) Or else we won't come back. No, we will. That's a lie. We will. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we leave the people to go on and do other stuff? (laughs) Do other stuff. Go do other stuff. Yeah. There is stuff to be done. Thanks for listening, guys. You can find us on all our regular social media outlets. Stay safe. Don't kill people. And keep it weird. Good. Bye. Right. Left. So. Buttons. Oh, fucking hell. Down. So buttons down. What? (laughs) She said right. You said left. She said so, I said buttons. I didn't hear the word so, that's why I was confused, Soz. Shall we we stop it with this incredible (laughs) razor-sharp wit that you're giving me? Do you know what um, I've just had a flashback to as well? Sorry, little uh, interlude here. Is, you know, when someone says she's... That's what she said. Yeah. And I have such vivid memories, Emma, of being in your car with Megan and Jodie, and one of them said it, and I was like, who said what? I don't even understand. <laughs> and But for so long, I didn't get it. I was like, I have no idea what you lot are on about, you fucking idiots. Like, I was so annoyed about it. It took me a long time to get it. But you were like, who is she? Yeah, I was like, who are you talking about? And then... Oh, oh isn't she sweet? Yeah. This, it's when she was innocent, you see. She yeah, wasn't yeah. always tinder with Tash. But her skin was terrible. <laughs> listen guys i wasn't tinder with tash for a very very long time she was 
like a Virgin Mary. I was basically a, a nun. Time. She was quite the prude. I was actually a prude as well, wasn't I? You were. If you had heard us speak the way you speak now, you would have been like proper disgust us. You'd have gone in the next room. You'd be yeah, like, you yeah. cannot listen to this filth. Filth, yeah. Filth. Yeah, would. It's true. Like, it's true. Filthy slags. Nah, you would have judged us <laughs> so bad. I would have. You would have. Mm. What was that? What was that? It was me singing. You know, oh, you good. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I uh-huh. thought it was somebody uh-huh. going, Nana, Nana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how terrifying. Mama. Mama. Not the good is saying I'm pretty flat for, for a, a white, white guy. guy.